minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Thy 
in the AM, the one and only Rib Shlomo Kalbach. Laman Achai, uh, Kalbach uh, with the Shema Koleinu off the Slichos Experience. Vishamru, that was Yehuda Solomon doing the Kalbach Vishamru. Oh, I just realized we have a brand new windscreen on this microphone. Thank you, ZK, who snuck into the studio yesterday while we were away on the road. And put a brand new windscreen on my main mic. Thank you. Ooh, so nice. <laughs> uh, Yehuda Solomon with the Shamru. Bimotzai, that Shlomo Kalbach off of the Slichos experience. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on the September the 20th, day 20 in the month of Elul. It is uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisavo with candlelighting time 636 on this Erev Shabbos here in New York. 636 in New York. Slichos Sunday morning, or more accurately, late tomorrow night in the Ashkenazi community. As we get closer and closer to the brand new year of 5780, and that begins a week from Sunday night. Um, and by the way, speaking of Kalbach, I want to thank, um, I want to thank Sandy. Uh, Sandy Shinensky stopped by the broadcast yesterday. And um, handed me two pictures taken by her late husband, Arthur, who we loved. Uh, both of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach from the summer of 1964. Really amazing. Really amazing. Um, 
25 minutes after the hour. A, a, an amazing, amazing week on the on the road. I want to thank our friends at Azer Mitzion for sponsoring our on the road broadcast. It, it shows you when someone or an organization or a sponsor puts their faith in a in a project that we um, that we are committed to that we know is going to be a good concept. Baruch Hashem, uh, they they end up being associated with a really positive experience. And our on the road this month has been incredible. Thank you, Azer Mitzion. And this week in particular, uh, Teaneck on Tuesday morning, Five Towns yesterday morning. Our live lunch from uh, Judge Memphis on uh, Central Avenue yesterday. Uh, broadcasting with uh, Amudim on Tuesday night. Sunday's broadcast with Achiezer in the middle of the day from their uh, health fair. Their health expo. Just a lot of wonderful uh, vibes and a, a tremendous, um, a tremendous uh, atmosphere of uh, of excitement. Frankly, uh, not just from us to the community, but from the community to us um, for for being out there and doing our broadcast. So, thank you, thank you, everybody, for welcoming us and. Uh, Letting us be part of your community, and again, a big thank you to our friends at Azer Mitzion for sponsoring our month-long broadcasts uh, on the road. Uh, reminder that the uh, OU's uh, Torah New York event is this coming Sunday. Uh, a lot of uh, wonderful speakers. Um, that's happening Sunday. Go to TorahNY.org, TorahNY.org. It's happening at City Field. Reminder: This coming Sunday is the is the rally that Dove Hyken spoke about. The rally against anti-Semitism, the rally to support the NYPD, the rally to uh, make the government officials in New York aware that we have had it with attacks on noticeably Jewish residents of New York City. The rally is at City Hall Park, 249 Broadway, this Sunday at 12 noon. 249 Broadway, this Sunday at 12 noon. City Hall Park. Do your best to be there. Uh, we mentioned Slicha starts tomorrow night. That's uh, one of the reasons why our the early part of this show has uh, had so many Slicha selections. Um... Yesterday, we had tremendous reaction to a whole bunch of things uh, that we've been doing here at the Nahum Siegel Network, including my conversation with Cantor Benny Rugznitsky, which happened on Wednesday. We got such an unbelievable reaction from people yesterday when we were on Long Island uh, who had heard the interview and really appreciated the uh, the contents of it. So I thank you very much for that. And um, also toward the end of yesterday's show, I think after the show officially end, ended, um, a woman who was leaving Gotta Get a Bagel told me a most amazing story from years and years ago having to do with JM and the AM. And um, I'm going to ask her if there is any way she could be in touch with us uh, for a follow-up to that story. Please do. Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. And I br- greatly appreciate that. Um. Anyway, so a lot, lots going on, uh, and um, of course, our weekly update is uh, just over an hour from now. There was an election in Israel this week. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about regarding that, and so many other things. <laughs> That's for sure. 
Um, so we'll get ready for that and uh, hopefully ask the questions that you would ask Malcolm Honline if you were speaking to him this morning about the events of the week. All right, this is a song I heard about from uh, our friends uh, Yedidya and Sivan Rachav Meir. Uh, I picked this up off of their radio show. Um, it's a Yonatan Shachar selection entitled Laila Rishon Shel Slichot, the first night of Slichos. And if you listen to the words, if you're able to understand the Hebrew words, really cool, really cool lyrics. Laila Rishon Shel Slichot, Yonatan Shachar, JM in the AM.
אני כאן ואתה שומע. בגלל אבות תושיע בניהם ותביא גאולה לבני בניהם אני מוכרח לספר לכם איך באתי למנגינה. המילים היו חקוקים בלבי כל הזמן, בגלל אבות תושיע בנים. אני הופעתי, זה היה לפני כמה חודשים, באיזה, תסלחו לי, הופעתי לפני גויים, וזה היה באיזה מכללה קתוליקית, ראיתי, אמרו לי שאין כאן אף יהודי אחד. פתאום אני רואה, יושבת שם בחורה עם מגן דוד, אחת ה... התלמידות שם באוניברסיטה, ואני שואל אותה, שלום לך, מה את עושה כאן? ואומרת לי, האבא ואימא שלי רוצים שאני אתבולל מהר. אז שלחו אותי להיות ממש עם גויים. ואחרי ההופעה הם מספרת לי, ואומרת לי, אני רוצה להגיד לך, לך שיש לי סבתא. אני לא אוהב את האבא ואת האימא. הם רוצים להרוג את הנשמה שלי. אבל הסבתא, אני ממש אוהב אותה. היא אומרת לי, אני לעולם לא אתחתן עם רק אם הסבתא אוהבת אותו. וזה יהיה בליל יום חמישי. ואני שואל אותה, מה הסבתא עושה? אני חשבתי בכלל מה היא עושה. היא הסתכלה על השעון, למה? עכשיו זה יום חמישי בערב. אחד עשרה בלילה, מה היא עושה? היא מחכה לשבת. אנחנו חיים בדור, האבא ואימא חושבים שהנוער רוצים להתפלל. יש להם געגועים נוראים ממש ליהדות. בגלל אבות, בגלל אבות. תסלחו לי בארץ, אותו הדבר, יש יהודים חילוניים שחושבים שהנוער לא, לא רוצה להיות יהודים. גוואלד, איך הם מתגעגעים. בגלל, 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 אובייס, בגלל, 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 אובייס, בגלל, אובייס, תשיע בונים, בגלל, 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 אובייס, בגלל, 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 אובייס, בגלל, אובייס, תשיע
נכנס למקום שנכנס, ועמד במקום שעמד. רחץ ידיו רגליו, טבל עליו ונסתפק. בא ממקום שהוא בא, והלך למקום שהלך. פשט בגדי החול, לבש בגדי לבן. וכך היה אומר אנשים, כפר לחטאים, לעוונות ולפשעים. שחטאתי לפניך, אני וביתי. ואם אדם היה יכול לזכור את הפגמים, את החסרונות, את כל הפשעים, את כל העוונות, בטח ככה היה מונע אחת, אחת ואחת, אחת ושתיים, אחת ושלוש, אחת וארבע, אחת וחמש. ישר היה מתייאש, כי לא יכול היה לשאת את המרירות אחת, את הבושה, את הפספוס, את ההפסד. בכהנים והעם העומדים בעזרה, כשהיו שומעים את שם השם, המפורש יוצא מפי, כהן גדול היו קוראים, משתחווים ונופלים על ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד. פסע למקום שפסע, פניו לקודש אחוריו להיכל. שווים פיו ומעשיו. בא ממקום שהוא בא, והלך למקום שהלך. פשט בגדי לבן, לבש בגדי זהב. וכך היה אומר הנשם, כפר לחטאים, לעוונות ולפשעים. שחטאתי לפניך, אני וביתי. ואם אדם היה יכול לזכור את החסדים, את הטובות, את כל הרחמים, את כל הישועות, בטח ככה היה מונע אחת, אחת ואחת, אחת ושתיים, אחת מאלף, אלפי אלפים, ורוב מבני רבבות, ניסים נפלאות שעשית עימן. הכהנים והעם העומדים בעזרה, כשהיו שומעים את שם השם, המפורש יוצא מפי, כהן גדול היו קוראים, משתחווים ונופלים על פניהם. ברוך שם כבוד מלכותו לעולם ועד.
Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M., that's Ari Goldwag, Hafachta uh, is the name of that one. Kolachai with words from this week's Parsha, Hashkifa, Shema Koleinu, of course, for the Slichos service from Dveikos, Yishai Rebo, Seder Avodah from the Yom Kippur service, Big Lal Avos, done by Shlomo Kalbach, Yonatan Shachar, that song, Laila Rishon Shel Slichot, and I want to thank Yedidya and Sivan Rachav Meir for alerting me to that brand new selection. Friday morning broadcast, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Kisavo, candlelighting in New York, 636. Slichos, Sunday morning, late tomorrow night. Slichos services. Uh, Torah, New York at City Field is coming Sunday. 
Go to TorahNY.org, TorahNY.org, and register. It's this coming Sunday, courtesy of the OU. Rally at City Hall Park against anti-Semitism and these attacks against those who are identifiably Jewish. Um, 12 noon, 249 Broadway, Lower Manhattan, City Hall Park. 12 noon Sunday, 249 Broadway, City Hall Park. Keep that in mind. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, on the web, at com and the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Keep it here, everybody. Our news from Israel is coming up next. And um, at 7.40 Eastern Time, weekly update, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us to talk about the Israeli election, a whole bunch of other things, a lot of news items from this week. We'll try to get to everything. 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. Galit Sal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Reminder, Torah New York at City Field this coming Sunday. Go to the OU website, TorahNY.org, TorahNY.org, and register now. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JNM. השליח המיוחד של נשיא ארצות הברית ג'ייסון גרינבלט נועד בשעות אלה בירושלים עם ראש הממשלה נתניהו. פרשניתנו המדינית איליל שחר מוסרת שהשניים משוחחים על התוכנית המכונה עסקת המאה של טראמפ, שמוכנה כבר זמן רב וטרם נחשפה בשל שתי מערכות הבחירות השנה בישראל. תאונת עבודה קטלנית ברהט. נער בן 16 נהרג לאחר שנפגע ממלגזה במוסך. צוות מגן דוד אדום שהגיע למקום קבע את מותו. כתב הנורא משני מוסר שנסיבות המקרה נחקרות. שני חשודים מכפר מנדאו ואסמת טבעון נעצרו כשבמכוניתם 4,000 זיקוקים. השניים שנתפסו לאחר חקירה סמויה של מספר חודשים היו על פי החשד בדרכם למכור את הזיקוקים ולהפיצם. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שבית המשפט השלום בחיפה העריך את מעצרם עד יום ראשון. ההתחשמלות בבריכת הנוי בתל אביב. שלושה בעלי תפקידים במתחם מגדלי זיו, בו נמצאת הבריכה, זומנו לחקירה בחשד לגרימת חבלה ברשלנות. בבית החולים איכילוב ממשיך להיות קשה מצבו של הצעיר בן ה-20, שנכנס לפנות בוקר למים הרדודים והתחשמל בנסיבות הנחקרות עתה. חברו שהתעלף בזמן שניסה להוציאו מהבריכה, נפצע בינוני. בעדות ראשונה מהזירה סיפר צעיר אחר שניסה לחלץ את הפצוע לגלי צה"ל, מרחוק ראיתי המולה, וכשהגעתי ראיתי אדם מפרכס במים. הכנסתי יד למים והרגשתי בחשמל מיד, התחלתי החייאה וחשבתי שהנפגע מת לי בידיים. כתבתנו ליה ספילקין מוסרת שמטעם מגדלי זיו טרם נמסרה תגובה. ומזג האוויר, ירידה בטמפרטורות היום ומחר, והן תהיינה רגילות לעונה ביום ראשון, התחממות קלה. אלה החדשות שערך היום עידו דוד כהן.
Hashem, Oy Molei Rachamim, Rachem Olai, Rachem Olai. 
Yeah. 
p.m. and the a.m. Wow. Yehuda Green, he does an amazing slichos, as many of you know, and I know a bunch of people who will be there tomorrow night for his slichos with the Kalbach Shul, I assume, at Westside Institutional. That's Hanashem Malach, just amazing. Uh, Hashem Male, um, the rabbi's son's opening up the hour. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Big thank you to our friends at Azer Mitzion for um, uh, sponsoring our month on the road with... Um, our month on the road with, um, what am I trying to say? Our, our month on the road here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Azer Mitzion. Uh, we had an amazing, an absolutely amazing time, um, uh, really all through the week in Teaneck on, uh, on, um, on Tuesday morning in the Five Towns yesterday, Judd's Memphis yesterday, Sunday with Achiezer. I moved him on Tuesday night. Really an amazing week on the road, and I'm glad that we were able to uh, present an incredible week here at JMNAM and the Nahum Siegel Network. And a big thank you to Azer Mitzion again for sponsoring our month on the road uh, during September of 2019. Candle lighting at 636 on this era of Shabbos. City Field for the Torah New York event this coming Sunday. Go to TorahNY.org, TorahNY.org. My thanks to Rabbi Gladstein. Big thank you to Rabbi Gladstein for joining us yesterday in Woodmere. Uh, the book is amazing. His brand new book on Rosh Hashanah, Yomim Narayim, Sukkis. It, it's an amazing book, Mystery and the Majesty. Check it out. 15% off if you use the promo code radio when you go to artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. Use the promo code radio. You'll be glad you did uh, because, again, it saves you 15%. And uh, you have an amazing opportunity to get an incredible, really an incredible book, um, Mystery and the Majesty. From uh, from Rabbi Daniel Gladstein. So check that out. Uh, again, go to artscroll.com. Again, go to artscroll.com. And um, use promo code radio. Free shipping in the USA. And again, uh, a uh, significant savings of 15%. Friday morning broadcast. JM and the AM Slichos tomorrow night for the Ashkenazi community. Really getting in a bunch of amazing selections for Slichos. Including the next one we're going to do from Eitan Katz. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, about 25 minutes from now with a weekly update. We'll explore what's happening in this amazing world of ours, including the Israeli elections and much, much more. It's all happening with a weekly update, or by Yudin, of course, on Parshas, Kisavo, and plenty more. All coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. I think it was a Thursday night. And I opened up the sneakers. Oh, oh, oh. 
אנחנו עם סגולה, אנחנו לא לבד. כשצרפאות עלינו, כולנו כאחד. לא נפחד עם ישראל, עד אם נעשה רצונו, הוא יעשה רצוננו. הוא אבינו, הוא מלכנו, מושיענו. נישא עיניים ונתפלל, דברו דבר ולא יקום.
That Hashivenu from Yehuda Green is going to go on for a long time tomorrow night at his Slichos. That's a guarantee. Happens every year. Uh, before that, Avremo with Hashem Yilachem, and you heard Hashem Melech done by Gershon Veroba. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting 636 in New York. Malcolm Honeline comes up next with a weekly update. Shema Koleinu from Yehuda Green as the Ashkenazi community begins Slichos tomorrow night. <laughs>
mentioned how long his Hashivenu is going to go on tomorrow night. And based on prior experience, it's going to be a while. But I have a feeling this one as well. Shema Kolenu from Yehuda Green. A lot of amazing slichos tomorrow night. Lots of amazing slichos tomorrow night. Many different synagogues, many different places. His is among the most uh, incredibly inspiring. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisavo. Candlelighting in New York, 636. We will do our Elul Shofar blowing in a second, for those of you who fear that we may have forgotten about it. We'll do the Elul Show for blowing and then uh, weekly update and more here at JM in the AM. Interesting part of our show yesterday when Rabbi Gladstein joined us uh, in Woodmere and we were speaking about his brand new book, and he talked about the power of the show for it to, uh, to really inspire us during this month of Elul. Uh, let us hope, in fact, it does. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM, just a few days away from the start of a brand new year, a week from Sunday night. Candlelighting 636 in New York. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. By the way, it was our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who made us aware of that Washington Post article about the uh, Parv hamburgers, the you know Impossible Burgers and all that. And um, it really presented a comprehensive look from from a lot of religious standpoints, not just Judaism, about the uh, the whole concept of uh, <laughs> God not wanting us to eat non kosher. But what about a really good forgery? You know, would that be acceptable? And um, anyways, I thank Jewish Worldview about that. How some of our listeners pointed out they were happy to read that after we had told them about it. And of course, if you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Check out their site and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. Appreciate that. I know a lot of people are anxious to hear about the election in Israel and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'll start with this. I hope you don't mind. And I, and I always respect the fact that you uh, concentrate more on the international than the local issues, but uh, I think people are anxious just to hear a statement from from Jewish leadership, frankly, and that is that uh, noticeably Jewish people, and I know this happens in European cities and other places around the world, noticeably Jewish people are being attacked in New York City. There is video evidence of these attacks, uh, and I don't know if I'd be asking you for a comment if not for what happened yesterday when public officials refused to designate what happened in Brooklyn this week as a hate crime. Uh, I thought that was outrageous. Is there anything you could tell us um, in, in terms of the definition of a hate crime and whether wanton attacks on Jews, even if possibly the people attacking them simply want to rob them, uh, need to be in the category of a hate crime? So not every crime is a hate crime, but... Uh, this, I think, rises to the clear definition. It, it, the fact that if somebody doesn't scream out an anti-Semitic uh, epithet or something 
it isn't, should not be the criteria. If they singled out somebody who looked because of his garb or because of his appearance as Jewish, I think that the standard has to be set. There has to be some definition that can be applied. We have the definition, the IRA definition on anti-Semitism, which governments around the world are adopting, including the United States has adopted it. Uh, we're asking universities, we're asking uh, everyone, the state, the uh, city and federal levels to to operate on that basis. That when a discriminatory act takes place against uh, someone, uh, that it be declared. And now I know there's a hesitancy to declare a hate crime. It involves the FBI. It involves the other thing and the statistics. Malcolm, Ma- Ma- Malcolm, we're having a lot of trouble hearing you. I don't know if it's a cord. Uh, we have to. Is it better? Now it's a drop. Better. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, to investigate each of these incidents and and evaluate them. But the facts speak for themselves, and that is that there is an 80% increase, according to the police, in hate crimes, and that more than two-thirds are directed against Jews. So you cannot, you cannot claim um, that we don't have a problem, and we can't be insensitive to the sufferings of people who, who are victimized by it, and we can't become complacent just because it's happening so often, and then nitpick whether what meets the definition. I'm not second guessing it. I, we have to look at the, the details and understand it more. But there's a general hesitancy to declare hate crimes, and there's a hesitancy on the part of people to report hate crimes. Right. So both have to be addressed. And uh, two quick points, then we'll move on to the news of the week, or the other news of the week. Uh, first of all, Rosh Hashanah is right around the corner, and I know you've always warned us, rightfully so, about being properly prepared in our places of worship, etc. But I say this because if we are a noticeable community, which of course the Jewish community, especially in New York is, now with the high holidays approaching, we're going to be even more noticeable. I would hope that this would encourage public officials, the NYPD, etc., to pay even more attention to our community. Well, I think the NYPD in this case has to be lauded because they do. They've already held the preparatory meetings. We know that their preparations begin even uh, long before this uh, in, in terms of the coverage of synagogues and other institutions, and the, they, they uh, certainly are a model in this regard about the coverage of communities whenever, not only whenever something occurs, but more importantly in trying to anticipate uh, these events. But uh, people should go to the ScanUS website, look at steps that can be taken. More and more synagogues are doing lone shooter training, and the, it's, it's so essential because, if God forbid, something happens, people don't have time to think. It has to be an automatic response about how you evacuate, what uh, steps are taken, making sure that there's a cell phone available in the synagogue. So many things that can be done to prevent, God forbid, a tragedy. Right. And we learned from Poway in Pittsburgh how important it mm-hmm. is. And one last thing, and I know it's going to sound cynical, but now, now that the mayor of the city of New York has dropped out of the presidential race, hopefully he'll have more time to concentrate on this. Um, just a general comment. We spoke about this yesterday when Dove Hyken visited our mobile studio on Long Island. Um, it, it, the, the atmosphere in New York, and people around the world may find this really hard to believe, the atmosphere in New York um, with the attacks, the actual physical attacks on police officers that they cannot react to. That's how afraid they are to even enforce the law and arrest somebody in these situations has created a really 
terrible atmosphere that one can get away with anything. And I think that even though rightfully we point out when our community is targeted, we get that. But that whole atmosphere is just lending itself to to more random attacks in New York City. And I'm hoping that the mayor and the NYPD uh, will 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 do whatever is necessary to, to to take from those who support uh, the work of the NYPD, the citizens who really want them to do their job, and they start enforcing it. Enforcing the law as as best as possible, and I think, by the way, as these rallies and demonstrations are taking place uh, to protest and to and to rally uh, against anti-Semitism and for you know protection of the Jewish community, I think that has to be one of the elements. I think we have to go out there on the same day at the same time and proclaim our support for New York City Police Department. Uh, absolutely, it's a balance, and the, the fact that our standards get lowered, the fact that police feel inhibited from from reacting to an assault on them. Uh, I know that many people are critical of particular incidents and things, but if the police aren't respected, if we have a breakdown of law and order, everybody yep. gets affected, everybody becomes a victim. Yep. And those who are most vulnerable and most visible become the first victims. And in this case, by and large, it is the Jewish community that has uh, suffered the most from this the rise of, of this uh, a mood of hatred and extremism from left, from right, from uh, Muslims, from minorities, from all across the board, and the the need to collective action it means working with law enforcement at the federal and state levels and city levels. It means working with other communities, but the onus should not be on the Jewish community. The onus has to be on the perpetrators. We're the victims, yep. and there has to be a clear. Uh, acknowledgement of this, and we're working both on the national and international level, and you will see events coming up that will highlight this. And we have all sorts of efforts. We now have a 24-7 hotline where students and others can can report incidents. If, God forbid, something happens to them, we have many other things that are in the works to supplement the work, but we can't replace the police, you can't replace the FBI and other law enforcement agencies. I thank you for your comments. Your quotes and comments will go a long way and a very important way to start today's show. Obviously, a lot of important news this week. There was an election in Israel this week, as we know. We were anticipating it, and finally it came. And unfortunately, and I I don't know if you'd agree with the word unfortunately, but to many, unfortunately, a stalemate. Uh, basically even the two largest parties with essentially the same number that you know, may be off by one or two. And now it looks like there's no possibility of a what we would call a normal, regular uh, uh, governmental coalition being formed by either of the major parties. The first question, and I'll start with this because there's so many variables to discuss, is it possible we're ready for a third election this year? Uh it's interesting that you said there's no normal coalition. I don't know if Israel ever has a normal coalition. <laughs> One that looks normal. Of the unique system. Right? And, you know, people, uh, you know, many, especially those who are not familiar with the electoral system, don't understand that it's a list system. Like Britain, you vote for a party, not the individual, which lends itself to the fact that you need a coalition if no party gets enough to get to 61 seats. Right. You can have a minority government, but it can hardly rule. It can never get anything really passed. Right. And here, and, and of course, subjects you to the manipulation of every minority party right. that or, you have to bring in. Or as you sometimes say, the smaller parties will hold you hostage down the road. That's exactly. Yeah. And you remember, there were 29 parties competing. Right. So only a few of them actually make it in. So a lot of votes get, get wasted yep. in, in the process. Um, and 
you know, we, we have a, a pro, an average of two and a half years for government. Now we have elections every four months. <laughs> and it's, it is, um, you know, it's very de- debilitating. It, it undermines the, the support for democracy and democratic process. People get tired, cynical, young people especially. And I think that it would be very unfortunate if Israel has to go to a third election. Do I think it's impossible? Absolutely not. Uh, this is inconclusive, and if you're, you know, uh, it's being manipulated by Lieberman, who right. says he's against manipulation. Now, Lieberman literally could form a government with either block at this point, or only with the right-wing block. Numbers no, wise. I think if well, if there are scenarios that have been painted where where the left-wing, left-center-left block could right. get to the required numbers, especially if the religious, religious parties, parties, right. And now there were reports that they were looking to talk to Lapid. They deny it. They say it isn't true. And they will sit in the opposition if necessary. By the way, the opposition right now will be led by the Arab bloc. Right. Um, and, again, that's an anomaly. Uh, they seem to be targeting Yuli Elstein now as Speaker of the Knesset, saying they want to topple him. There are a number of scenarios that are possible now. One is that BB steps down and and... and with a newly could leader, they would agree to a unity uh, party. And they and means Lieberman. That means... Oh, be, no, means blue, blue and white. white. Means blue and white, right. Blue and white. Lieberman also has said right. it, but um, he also set other conditions, meaning the religious parties wouldn't be there, etc. But if it's... Uh, but it could be blue and white, or most of blue and white. Right. You could have factions of each, which okay. people don't, don't get either. Let, let, let's start with a couple of things, and I'm going to include everything you just said on the list of, of things to, to, to talk about. Number one, 69.5% eligible voters turned out a drop better than last time. Now, I know, and you're right, that you know certain categories of people are getting really you know cynical about the whole process, but the fact that at least it went up a drop, meaning overall turnout, I guess is a good sign, right? It's a very positive sign because everybody predicted that the turnout would drop uh, significantly, so it goes counterintuitive to to at least the what most of the pundits had said. Right, and so the turnout was remarkable, and that people are committed to democracy and wanted their voices to count on all sides. Now, on the possibilities angle, the the possibility of a a, a true unity government, and I guess what that would mean. You know, growing up, unity government to me meant that, you know, you exchange prime ministerships. You basically rotate as prime minister. So that happening, Gantz and Bibi sitting down and telling the president we are willing to do this. We're willing to come to some type of arrangement to avoid a third election, to bring stability to the country for whatever reason they say. Is there hope that that actually could happen or they can't stand each other to the point that there's no way they would consider unity government together? So it is up to the president who will begin on Sunday the discussions to A to pick who's going to get the first shot and then for them to to try to cobble together um, the government. And so this process could take many, many weeks. In fact, well after uh, the Yom Tovim, Sukkot included, before we have a conclusion. Second, the, the um, uh, options are not unlimited. Could you have a government in which the uh, Arab parties actually take part? Would they take part in the, in the past? They, of course, have not. They were kind of the, all the governments and vote against the, the governments of Israel. Right. The, um, uh, the role of the religious parties, it's a significant number of, uh, of seats, and, and the question is what happens uh, with their role. Could Lapid and others drop their uh, <coughs> the opposition that they have 
stated over and over again about the, to, to in demanding the draft and other law change legal changes. So it, it's very uh, unclear. He asked the, the president asked each of the parties who would you recommend. Now the Arab parties did say that they would recommend uh, or they could recommend blue and white. So if he has enough recommendations, it doesn't mean that it's final commitment. He will then be given the charge to form to try and form a government. Now, in the meantime, all sorts of negotiations will go on. Now, still on the national unity front, assuming for a moment that that possibility exists, can can Gantz say to the president, we are willing to make a deal as long as Bibi doesn't lead the Likud? Like, is, is there that type of, of jockeying available to him where he literally can say if Likud goes ahead, oust the prime minister as its leader, put somebody else in that position, we're willing to make a deal? I don't think that's what takes place Sunday, but it could take place down the road and and they more or less have said it in many different ways different people have have asserted that and there's already jockeying within we could about the leadership um so that but, might be the most the easiest way to do this if you they really want a unity government well, it, we could has uh, members have pledged that they would support netanyahu that they wouldn't abandon him hmm. i think that you know, there's a lot of talk about whether he would make a deal for immunity or, you know, be exonerated. Um, right. Uh, and that would be a controversial move. Wow, to that be, would be something. That would be, be something. Could you imagine? But then he would withdraw. Uh, so, Can and you then you would have the question of who rules first, who gets the first right. shot at being prime minister, because there's no guarantee that there will be a second shot, right, that right. the actual <laughs> rotation will take place. Right. And it's interesting, yesterday at the memorial for Shimon Peres where both Gantz and Netanyahu and the president were seated together and clasped hands and put on shows that really detracted from the purpose, but the but reminded people about the Perez-Shamir rotation. Right. But they forget it wasn't that kind of great success. It, it, it functioned, but it was not. And when one was in office, the other was often excluded and uh, cut out. They didn't trust each other, and I think that, that there would be... It's it's a very complicated answer, but maybe the ultimate thing to avoid a third election, which Rivlin said he wants to prevent. You know, it's well known he doesn't like Netanyahu and would like to see him out. But the uh, you know we've got to put the interests of the country and the people first, and it's time to put aside all these narishkeiten and and when you hear some of the discriminatory comments about sectors, including the religious sector, it, it to me it's very disturbing. It's time when you have Hezbollah, Hamas. Iran becoming more aggressive is the time when a country should be coming together. I get that. I get that. But the, you do the math. We could. Yamina, the religious parties together is 55. Lieberman would put them under the top, uh, over the top. Lieberman on the left, according to the left block right now, would only give them 52 and not close enough without the religious parties, not close enough to form a government. You know, I, I know that you're – I hear the frustration in your voice with, with all the parties involved. But I don't know. Shouldn't there be more frustration with Lieberman? I mean, I, I know it's not. I know it's not his fault that he's the kingmaker. But I don't know. Can the president twist his arm a bit to, uh, to, to you know, to negotiate a deal that he'd be and his constituents would be would be okay with? Down the road, when people, as the frustration grows, people more and more pressure will be placed upon them. First, everybody has to get their initial. You know, positions out, and they can't right. show that they're, they're weak from the from the gate. Um, so everybody will stake their positions, and then the president will have to make a, a decision. And in fact, you know, for a president who's a figure a figurehead, this is really his most powerful period. 
and uh, function. Right. And and he, he does play a critical role in determining the next government. Yeah. And if, God forbid, Israel's attacked today, is he the one who determines how to react? Is that his responsibility? No. that's The government still functions. It continues. It's actually more powerful uh, when the Knesset's out, that the prime minister, this is a peak power right. uh, to to take action, and the military remains on alert. This would be an interesting way for Netanyahu to remain prime minister. <laughs> keep going to elections, have stalemates, and you just keep being tri- prime minister each time. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive proposition and, and uh, very complicated. And, 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 you know, that has ramifications in U.S. relationships and how the region sees the stability and Etc. Yeah, I gotta, thank God it is a stable democracy, and we'll get through this. And I got to ask you about worldwide reaction in a second. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web, NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Support JM and the AM and the NachumSiegel Network before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, join our uh, year-end campaign if you haven't given yet in 2019. This is the perfect time to do so and support us at FJB. Unity.org, FJBUnity.org, especially if you enjoy our special segments, FJBUnity.org. I actually circled the word enemies on my notes because that's my question. How, we'll get to how the U.S. reacts, but how do, how do the enemies of Israel react to this? Do they, do they see Israel any weaker than in a normal circumstance? For those of us who worry, everybody and listening now, worries about you know the northern border, Gaza, etc. Is there more of an inclination to start up with Israel because the government is in the situation it's in now? Um, I think that uh, for the people, often the reaction is the opposite, that they respect it and say, look at what a democracy Israel is, and that leaders are held to account, that you don't impose a solution, that Netanyahu can't just seize power, that the which is what happens in many of the other countries in the region. And that's one, too. Most of them do not know Gantz well. They, some know him from when he was chief of staff. So on the military level, there, there are people who know him. But I would say that the, you know, there's the uncertainty of it. Um, I think that the, the um, uh, countries in the region that think that they can take advantage of this moment are, are wrong, and you see that some of the actions that continue to be taking place and yeah. Perhaps Israel's involved, perhaps not, but certainly the, the countermeasures continue. The military and security apparatus functions as normal. The, um, so they would be making a mistake to, to think that Israel somehow is vulnerable at this, uh, at this period. Yep. It does raise in, in other places questions, and you've seen President Trump, others have made uh, comments because they have personal relationships or, you know, feel that the you know, that they've invested a lot in, in in the Netanyahu government, but the relationship was never based on individuals. It's based on common principles and values, and God willing, will will sustain through all of this. And I, even though some people didn't like it, especially the BB fans, you can't blame the president for basically saying that. He basically said, hey, you know, America's with Israel no matter who's in the leadership. So, you know, That's lot- right, and that he has to say that, but right. that is not to say that he's probably not disappointed and feels that, and because he, he does tend to take things personally, and um, from what we hear, uh, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be surprising that there would be some, uh, that some of the other comments uh, are probably right, too. A couple of other combination possibilities, just to toss out there. Someone like Yair Lapid or anyone else from Blue and White, who wanted to break away and take a few seats to the right for the right deal. Is that possible or doable in an Israeli uh, 
you know, political um, uh, negotiation? Yes, he they actually- can. Uh, some Likud members could defect also and give blue and white the, the requisite number. Uh, I don't think Lapid would, would break to the right. If anything, I think he would more likely, uh, it's more likely that Gantz would break. Um, right. And the tension between them has been very clear all along. And, uh, you know, many of them were expecting a real defeat, and they were going to blame each other, and recriminations have been heard. But we know that there's been tension between them and within the party, which was an amalgamation, as you remember. And uh, the we'll have to see whether they can sustain it now that they have the responsibility, uh, sustain the unity, or could there be a split, but there would be Gantz's side that would go right. Uh, also, I mean, someone sent me the following um, uh, uh, analysis or, or latest news yesterday that all political parties, as you just said, are being held to their pre-election commitments of who they won't sit with, meaning, as you said, you know, the first thing, act everybody does is get out there and say, you know, we're committed to the same platform or the same arrangement that we had, you know, run on because nobody's willing to, to show at this point, right after the election, that they're ready to bend, except the Haredim, who now are going to ask Rav Kanievsky if they're allowed to sit with Lapid. And I wonder now if the if the likelihood of the religious parties giving the left, you know, th- this um, political victory is, is you know, even more possible. Because we keep thinking, and you know how it is, those of us, <laughs> those of us who really are familiar with the religious community always think there's no way they're going to leave that political right. But now they're, they're already asking questions if they could do so. Is, this, is it possible that they could be the ones to put the left over the top? Well, they, had, they worked with labor governments, as you know, for, for many years. But, um, but I don't believe the reports are true. Uh, at least so far, they're denying that, uh, that they asked this permission or are considering a unity government with Lapid. Mm, interesting. And Shas did very well, right? Nine seats. Very that's, well. that's considered a big victory for them. And, um, and w- w- it, it, can we say, as we analyze this election and we see that BB, I mean, I, I assume we can conclude he made a calculated error in going to another election, right? I think we could say that now uh, it, with 2020 hindsight, right? That, that's, right. that's conclusive at this point. And we also know that he made all the right, <laughs> capital R, all the right negotiating deals over the last couple of months and still, you know, suffered in terribly low numbers compared to what people anticipated based on past performance that he would get. Can we now say that, generally speaking, the Israeli electorate is not as right as we as we on the right think it is, and maybe not as left as some on the left think it is? That we are that I know the religious parties obviously swing things you know heavily in a different direction, but I I think the country is more center than we ever thought. Would that be the right conclusion after this? I think it always is uh, basically centrist. Um, they're, they're one of the mysteries yet is why the turnout in the in the Shtachim and Yehudun Shomron was so low compared to what was anticipated. Yeah, why, why is the, that? Um, why is that? Why, why, well, I don't know yet. I mean, they expressed that there was disappointment with all the parties, uh, uh, but especially after Netanyahu you know, talked about and put forward the, the plans of, on the Jordan Valley, which is, by the way, a consensus view, right. and pledging to apply sovereignty to to the um, communities there. Uh, I don't know. And the the poor showing uh, of this Yamina party, of the right-wing party, yeah. is, is really uh, a mystery that has yet to be explained by any of the pundits that, that I have seen uh, analyzing it. 
Um, but I think one of the things is that Netanyahu was successful in conveying the message, if you're going to vote right, vote for Likud, because, you know, we, sh- we have to be the party that gets chosen to to form the government, that if you vote for all these splinter parties, number one, the chance that you get across 3.25% and in is limited, and therefore your votes will be completely wasted, or that, that the splinter parties, you're not going to, we will not be in a position to be the, the first party, even if in a, they would join together in a coalition, so uh, the other party will get the nod to form the government first. And by the way, if in fact, as you said at the very beginning of this uh, part of our segment, if in fact uh, the Arab, if in fact there would be uh, this national unity government, then well, tell me if I'm right. If there'd be a national unity government, then the Arab list led by Ayman uh, 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 Daya, I think his name is Oda, Oda rather, um, uh, they they would be the leaders of the opposition. And that would mean that that uh, intelligence conversations, intelligence briefings, and things like that traditionally are discussed with the head of the opposition. Is that correct? That is generally correct. And that would be something to consider. I don't know if it would prevent, you know, those who form this government eventually from from going the way they want in their best interests. But if, if the Arab list is the leader of the opposition in the Knesset, well, they are always the leader of the opposition. So <laughs> this is just formalizing the title. But it is a complicated question. And, uh, uh, you know, Ayman uh, uh, refused to come to my office. We were supposed to have a meeting uh, at one point, And he refused to come up because the Jewish agency has offices there. And he would not walk in because of that. The leader, and, the leader of the Arab joint list. Right. So if, if that's his view, they won't even recognize the Jewish agency. So how can he sit in a government and, and pledge loyalty to it? And and when many of the members there don't recognize it, don't want to support uh, the government. I don't know how that, I mean, that's the concern that is being raised and being stated over and over again. Um, so I think that those are details that will emerge. And I, I don't see the scenario yet where they would be the minority, uh, the opposition. And then if so, how do you, uh, work work it out. I mean, they sit in the Knesset, they sit on different committees as well, uh, but the security questions would be, um, I'm sure, will be raised. Did you see Rex Tillerson's uh, comments about BB? Yes, it's outrageous, and um, it, it confirms a lot of the concerns that people have had about Tillerson all along. Let's see what the details of it are, but I think it's, it's uh, you know, this atmosphere of kiss and tell of everybody having to go out and everybody, you know, accusing somebody of something. It's really so destructive of trust, of relationships, uh, the image of America, the image of, of these individual leaders. You know, he came out of the oil industry. I don't know what his attitudes were. I'm not making an accusation against him because I just don't know enough to do that. But the the comments certainly untoward and coming at this time. Uh, and also, if we're going to uh, if we're going to make a rule that public officials should not influence <clears throat> influence elections taking place in other countries, then if I'm a congresswoman from Minnesota, I probably should keep my feelings on election eve about Bibi Netanyahu to myself. Agreed or not a big deal? Well, I think it probably helps Netanyahu when <laughs> when she does it, um, but. Yeah, people, you know, countries should be free to do their elections. People shouldn't be influenced from outside sources. Right. As you know, for many, 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 many years, I oppose 
people here giving money to the parties in Israel, and right. parties in Israel getting involved in elections here. It's unhealthy, and you see the price we pay ultimately for that. The, the people of Israel should be free to express themselves and, and participate in the democratic process uh, un, uh, uh, uninhibited by outside influences or parties who don't have to live day-to-day with the results. Yeah, 100%. Um, Netanyahu cancels his visit to New York, will not be speaking at the U.N. I think based on what you told us last week, we should have anticipated this once we saw the results of the election, right? Right. And... and uh, but it looks like uh, Rouhani will not come, but Zarif will come. And they got their visas yesterday. Does he meet with the president or not? No. Not a chance. Not a chance, I don't think. Um, Iran is accused of attacking Saudi Arabia earlier in this week. What can you tell us about that attack? Uh, well, we'll need another hour to <laughs> talk about it because it, it's, it's really a very serious uh, development. So it raised so many questions from why didn't Saudi Arabia have the defense mechanisms? Where was there? They have six Patriot um, batteries. Why were they not deployed to, to properly? Uh, and the answer is in part that the, uh, that the Iranians went around. They didn't attack directly. They didn't come across the Persian Gulf where both the U.S. and the Saudis have resources. And the Patriot missile has only a certain area that it can cover. So when it goes in beyond that, number two, they flew very low, about 300 feet about above the ground. They had um, uh, many strikes, and each of the strikes actually hit the, hit the targets that, um, that were uh, intended, which is also a remarkable uh, feat from them. Uh, but, you know, the United States detected the, the actions, the preparations that were going on, uh, didn't give them enough notice, and they certainly didn't have the time to to uh, prepare. But the um, the questions that it's raised about um, Saudi Arabia defense and and the uh, uh, I think if one of the goals was to disrupt the oil supply, you see that that it did not have the desired effect, and mostly because of American production making up for it. Uh, we didn't have to go into our strategic reserve. Now more than half of the production is back online. By the way, U.S. news organizations threw everybody into a panic that that would happen. That's right. And, and, and you know, in West Permian Basin, shale fields will, will expand by about a million barrels a day soon. The... Um, and the there was no there was an abject there's probably a big glut but part of it is because there's been voluntary cuts in production by Saudi Arabia and others and their capacity they now say will be 11 million barrels a day by the end of September where it was producing around 9.6 million barrels a day all seems technical no it's very important because this is um, so that one goal was not uh, achieved. What they were thinking about what the response would be, I think that in part Khamenei wants to draw a response. He wants an escalation in violence because it unites the people at home. And even if he has to pay a price, he knows that there's not going to be an all-out war. They saw an American drone was taken down, and still there was there were increased um, sanctions, but there was no on-the-ground action. Um, and we have to see yet what the United States decision will be. They're still studying it and assessing it. When will we know? When you publicly call something an act of war, people expect some type of reaction. That's right, and when you're locked and loaded, people... uh, And and you have to think about how do the the neighbors feel about it, how do the others perceive it, and how do the people inside Iran with whom we are in touch, how do uh, do they see this as... 
uh, again, the same pattern that we've seen in the past where America, you know, speaks with bravado, but there isn't the kind of concomitant action against them. The, the, does it say that the oil installations around the world will become more vulnerable? Do you see that they will, you know, if they're striking with this and can get away with it, what happens to others? You know, they've been interfering with shipping for months and the making transit there in the Persian Gulf more dangerous, the Straits of Hormuz, they've seized ships. Um, and everybody knows that they, you know, and the feeling is that U.S. doesn't want to get into a prolonged war, which I understand. Um, but look at the, how they flew around the northern Persian uh, Gulf to avoid detection and through Iraqi uh, space. You have all of their uh, um, agents, the militia groups, the Hezbollah, the Hamas, others uh, who are uh, operating. And the, so the question is, do, do they want a hot war? Will they ask, heat up things in Gaza as a distraction? Will they do other things? They also, they want to tie up uh, Egypt. They want to break the coalition with Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and Egypt. They, um, there is a strategic buildup along the bond that we see continuing and, and, uh, from Lebanon and Iraq as well. So, and the strikes continue, by the way, so people should not lose the sight of it. It's an act of war. Secretary Pompeo said it. Um, we'll have increased sanctions. The sanctions do work. They're very effective. I don't think anybody wants to see a, a bloody war confrontation, but there has to be some standard that um, uh, is upheld, that people have confidence in the word uh, of the United States, that the um, consequences of this don't lead to let's say, along the Golan Heights, where we see the buildup. We see Iranian militias. We see the, Sh- uh, the Shiite militias there. And Hezbollah operatives are, are Ali Musa, uh, who's, who's running it there. The, um, um, the, so you have uh, three sets of, of Shiite militias from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from Pakistan participating in it. And I say because it's all interrelated. And it's the point I've tried to make for a long time on shows to follow all these things because these are all Iranian vehicles and they're putting themselves in a position and will activate whatever they think serves their purposes. Provoking a crisis now serves their internal purposes because the people are more and more upset, more uh, unhappy, and they know that this the creating this sense of urgency right. could help them, but it's only tempor- temporarily. And the the question of what happens inside Saudi Arabia, what's the reaction to the vulnerability, et cetera? Does it unite the people? Does it create greater uh, friction? Does and what in, uh, in in Yemen? I mean, they're fighting the Houthis. The Houthis are a ragtag group backed by Iran, but then the weapons are all Iranian. But it's not. Uh, after all this time, uh, comprehensible that there hasn't been they haven't been able to really defeat them and and uh, wreck them up. So we'll have to see what Rani has to say today. We have to see what uh, the Saudis are stepping up their hits in Yemen again, and the um, uh, and you know Zarif saying that Saudi Arabia will fight to the last American soldier is trying to, to to stimulate the response here and manipulate it. So we, we have people have to be very alert not to fall into traps and make simple conclusions as a complex situation, but I think very dangerous. Uh, I th- you told us a lot of very important things today. I think the most important might be that, in your opinion, please God, this is 100% true, uh, the security and safety of the state of Israel is no different today, even though the government is now what we look at as complete turmoil um, as this whole negotiating process is now beginning. Uh, but thank God uh, you don't think it affects the security and the safety of the people of Israel. I don't think that this, I think 
in fact, alert, to, to, they tend to get heightened. I, and I also hope that this will not affect the U.S.-Israel relationship, which is based on so many solid uh, criteria. Uh, there may even be some who will say if Netanyahu is out, it will improve the relationship, because you know there were sections in Congress and elsewhere right. um, didn't like him. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time, and people talk of the BB fatigue, etc. Those are all factors. But you also have to look at the stability, the economic development, the incredible achievements uh, that came about under his uh, under his leadership. Uh, if you look at what the ratings are, the Fitch ratings and others are putting Israel at really uh, remarkable uh, standards and uh, approvals, and their economic growth remains, I think, 3.5% or so. And, you know, there's a poll that showed that 71.5% of Israeli Arabs say that they're satisfied with life in Israel. And, and wow. two-thirds say that they treat it equally. And and 65% had a positive view of the state. So while there are other statistics that are worrisome, when you ask them what is it that issues, more than about two-thirds said that it was housing, unemployment, welfare, and about 13% said the Palestinian issue. So, you know, the American media tends to distort and misrepresent. They will never tell uh, the positive stories that the, uh, you know, the Palestinians oppose a two-state solution now by a majority, about 56%. Uh, there are other statistics that are, are difficult. Um, but one that really struck me is that 60% of the people in West Bank said they're not able to criticize the PA. <laughs> they don't feel safe. Where's the democracy then? So why exactly. isn't there some sort of a balance in the coverage that um, that two times the number of, of uh, Palestinians coming, uh, coming to work in Israel um, than was true just two years ago, and that each year that number uh, goes up significantly. And the, the, um, the fact that the number in high-tech has shot up amazingly, and especially uh, Arab women in high-tech in Israel. But those stories don't get told, and, and there's no uh, credit, and that undermines, I think, the credibility of the media here and around the world, because they all have agendas, and Netanyahu was certainly not on theirs. Malcolm's New Year's message next Friday, and plenty more. Uh, have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Be well. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi, oh, sorry about that, Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Rabbi Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisavo. According to the Sefer Achinuch, Parshas Kisavo contains six mitzvos, three positive and three restrictions. I'd like to point out that in addition to the regular mitzvah, the rabbinic mitzvah of reading the Torah this Shabbos, as we do, as there's a mitzvah to read the Shabbos, the Torah, each and every Shabbos, there's something special about the Kriyas HaTorah on this Shabbos. This is found in the Gemara Megillah, Lamed Aleph, 
Amid Beis 31b, where the Gemara tells us that Ezra made a takana, a provision that on the before the celebration of Atzeres, of Shavuos, we are to read the Brachos and Klolos, the Tochacha, as found in Parshas Bechukosai, and before Rosh Hashanah, we are to read the Brachos and Klolos, the admonitions, the curses that are found in Parshas Kisavo before the year is over. And what's the reason for this? Says the Gemara, Kedesha Tichle Shana Vikillo that the year should end with its curses. The curses are behind us, and now we look forward in a positive way to the forthcoming year. I'd like to analyze what is going on here with this Tichleshana. Is it a prayer? Our reading it is a prayer, a reading of the curses. I believe something very, very different. And indeed, I'm going to quote for you the Maharsha in his commentary on this Gemara, who asks and understands the Gemara in a very interesting way. He says, wait a minute, why shouldn't we begin the Torah anew on Rosh Hashanah? On Rosh Hashanah we should read Bereshis, or certainly on the Shabbos right after Rosh Hashanah we should read Bereshis, a new year, and Bereshis Bara Elokim, for Reshis, which is for the Torah, we uh, have uh, God created the world, and so Bereshis should be with Rosh Hashanah. Why is it that we have the Tochacha right before Rosh Hashanah? And he explains the following. In keeping with the Ramban, that the first Tochacha in the Bichukosai is referring to the destruction of the first Besamikdash. And there we still had Zuchus Avos, the merits of our fathers, as indeed the Tochacha in Bichukosai ends, Vizacharti is Brisi Yaakov, Afis Brisi Yitzchak. Hashem says, I will remember the patriarchs. I'll remember the Avos, and you will be forgiven. The second Tochacha, which is the one we're going to read this Shabbos, the Ramban says, refers to Churban Bayis Sheni, the destruction of the second Beis Migdash that we are still in mourning for today, which does not end with the promise of Bris Oschus Avos, that the Avos are going to, quote, bail us out of it. However, what does the Marsha say? The Marsha says that we read this Parsha 
and these admonitions, these curses, this Shabbos, to shake us up, to remind us that we are to do tshuva, to remind us that one of the basic principles of Judaism is schar va'onesh, that there is reward and punishment. And then, what do we have next week in Parshas Nitzavim, on the Shabbos right before Rosh Hashanah, we have the parsha of Tshuva. The Torah promises, strong word, that the Jewish people will v'shavta ad Hashem Elokecha. The Jewish people are going to return. They're going to return to their land. They're going to return to Hashem. Ah, oh, and therefore, this is our annual reading of these parshios before Rosh Hashanah to really put us in the right frame of mind in order to welcome the new year. Our reading of the Klolos in this week's parsha remind us that there is accountability. We do good, we are rewarded. And if not, unfortunately, there are consequences to our actions. This is the first kind of um, message and preparation that we get from Parshas Kisavo Emir Sashem for the forthcoming year and in preparation for the forthcoming Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. And indeed, based upon this, if you were to ask me, the practice of reading the Tochacha, the curses, in a low voice, the practice of reading the Tochacha more quickly, I think could and should be re-examined. I'm not going to tell you to change the minog in your shul, but I really think that the purpose of the reading is that it does shake us up. Interestingly, there is another factor within the parsha, which is another very significant preparation for where we find ourselves this Shabbos. This coming Motsoi Shabbos, be it after mid the night, this Motsoi Shabbos, or early Sunday morning, the Jewish Ashkenazic world begins the recitation of Slichos. The Svardim have already been reciting Slichos since Rosh Chodesh Elul, because Rosh Chodesh Elul represents the third and last time that Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Mount Sinai asking and praying to Hashem for forgiveness of the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf. Moshe comes down 40 days later on the 10th day of Tishrei and he brings the message from Hashem. Payomer Hashem solachti kidvorecha. Hashem says, I forgive the Jewish people. Ah, therefore, Sfardim begin the slichos 
on the day that Moshe began on his third trip up to Harsinai. Ashkenazim, however, begin Slichos minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah. So if Rosh Hashanah is on a Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, then the Shabbos, Motsoi Shabbos before, is when we begin the Slichos. When, as in this year, Rosh Hashanah falls out on Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, we begin from the previous Motsoi Shabbos. Why must we have at least four days? So our rabbis tell us something very interesting, and that is regarding all other karbonos musaf, all other sacrifices that were brought on Yom Tov, the Torah uses at the end of Parshas Pinchas, where the Torah talks about the korbanos musaf, be'ekravtem, and you shall bring the korban. Regarding Rosh Hashanah, the Torah says, va'asisem, and you are to make. You don't make a korban, but the rabbis understand that each and every one of us is to examine themselves as a korban was examined before it was brought as a korban. An animal was examined for four days prior to its being offered to make sure that it did not have a blemish. We too make ourselves into that offering by examining ourselves at least four days before Rosh Hashanah. Now, what is the essence of Slichos? The essence of Slichos is the recitation of the Yudgimomidos, the 13 attributes as found in Parshas Ki Siso. Hashem Hashem, Kelrachum Machanun, God who is merciful, kind, slow to anger, truthful. Now watch. The last mitzvah found in this week's parsha, according to the Chinuch, the 611th mitzvah of the Torah, is that of Ve'olachto Bidrachov. Literally, that man is to walk in the ways of Hashem. Amazing. How can man be expected to literally walk in God's way when after all God is eternal God is perfect how can man be expected to emulate Hashem and this is found in this week's parsha chapter 28 pasuk 9 the olachta the verse concludes bidrachov we are to literally walk in the ways of Hashem. The rabbis understand that Mechinach explains that what this means is that we are to emulate Hashem. Mahu rachum afatah. As He is merciful, so too you are to be merciful. These are the Yud Gimomidos. Now watch. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah 17b teaches in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the Torah is teaching the Jewish people whenever they find themselves in a state of crisis, 
and they need to pray to Hashem, they are to use this formula. And this is the formula that Hashem Himself, Kavayochol, as if He, capital H, says Rabbi Yochanan, wrapped Himself in a talus and taught Moshe this formula. And what does the Gemara say? That whenever the Jewish people are in this tight, challenging situation, Yasu lefonai kaseder hazeh. They are to perform before me. It doesn't say where to recite. You don't come to Slichos and recite the Yud Gimel Midos, Hashem Hashem Kelrachum Vachanon, as if it is some kind of a God forbid abracadabra, as if it is some kind of magic words, and therefore, because I said these words, I'm going to be forgiven. No, and no again. What does it actually mean? It means as follows that we say to Hashem, Hashem, please. Don't judge me for how I acted this past year, but judge me based upon the way I'm going to be this forthcoming year. How am I going to be? Hashem, Hashem, Kirachim Vachanum. Hashem, I'm going to emulate you as you are merciful, as you are kind, as you are truthful, as you are slow to anger. That's the way I will be. And just as the Ben Sorer Morer is Nidon Alshem Sofo, just as he was judged based upon not the way he is now, not what he has done, but what he will do in the future, we say to Hashem, 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 don't judge us only on what we've done in the past, but look at our potential. Look what I really want to be. Look where my goal is. Look where my aspirations are. I want to be God-like. I want to be like you. This is the greatness of man, that man is created in the image of God. And having been created in the image of God, look how wonderful he can be. And so, within Parshas Bichuk Kisavo, we have Zeh Le'umazeh. We have both ways of motivating our people to tshuva. The first way, with the klolos. We hear there is reward and punishment. I will behave lest one be punished. But that is not the ideal. The ideal is, look how wonderful and special and endowed you are, that you are created in the image of God. And therefore, since you were created in the image of God, you want to do good. You want to emulate Him. And in please God, that is the way we will. And so we pray that we're going to learn the lessons of the Tochacha, that the curses for the year will come to an end because we understand the significant lesson behind them. And please God, for all of Klai Yisrael, it should be a positive year, one of blessing. Shabbat Shalom. To all.
Yitzai Menucha. There he is, Shlomo Kalbach, of course. And before that, Shema Koleinu from Leif Tahor. 11 minutes to go before 9 o'clock. Don't forget, before Rosh Hashanah, please participate in our annual campaign, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. If you are a fan of what we do on a daily and weekly basis and everything that goes on here, and boy, is there a lot that goes on here. This week is a big testament to that. Uh, it goes on here on a daily basis. Please contribute whatever you can to keep us going to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Candle lighting at 636 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And, of course, tomorrow night, early Sunday morning, that's when Slichos begins. Earlier today, I played a song, and I must do it again. I must play this song one more time. Uh, it is a song that um, that was made uh, that I was made aware of uh, by uh, Yedidya and Sivan Rahav Meir. Um, just trying to find it here, make sure I can play the right one. This is a song that uh, they introduced to their audience from uh, a gentleman named uh, Yonatan Shachar, and it's called Laila Rishon Shel Slichotz. Laila Rishon Shel Slichotz. And if you listen, if you know Hebrew and you listen carefully to the words, it's so, so meaningful. And here it is for you at JM in the AM. I'm a 
Uh, Yonatan Shachar with Laila Rishon Shel Slichot, the first night of Slichos. Time to take a Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. Spend the day together 
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. A reminder, please support our fundraiser. If you haven't yet given it yet in 2019, use this time before the end of the, uh, the, end of the year to please be as generous as possible and support JM and the AM. And all of our great work, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Don't forget, Torah New York is Sunday at City Field. Torah New York is Sunday at City Field. Go to torahny.org, torahny.org, and register. The OU has hit a home run with this event. Thousands already registered, and an amazing and incredible list of speakers for this coming Sunday. Also, remember that on Sunday, if you're in Manhattan... The rally at City Hall Park against anti-Semitism and the attacks on our on members of our community. 12 noon at City Hall Park, 249 Broadway in Lower Manhattan. Try your best to be there. And we thank you so much for tuning in. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Brand new Naomi Nachman with Table for Two is coming up next. Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Uh, coming up after that, Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel. Matis on Sunday with JM Sunday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.